Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bull Take Scouting Podcast. We've got tons to talk about today, as there were several big college football results on Saturday, including Michigan defeating Ohio State for the first time since 2011, Auburn almost beating Alabama, but Bama surviving that scare in four overtimes, and of course, a couple huge coaching changes in the college football landscape. So let's get right into it and talk about Michigan's historic win over uh, Ohio State, which moved them to number two in the latest college football rankings, which just came out about 10 minutes ago. Alex, what are your initial thoughts on Michigan's win and where they sit now in the playoff rankings? I mean, first of all, they deserve to be number two. Uh, I, I think, you know, they proved that, you know, they deserve to be there. They're arguably the second best team in college football. Um, and they looked extremely impressive against Ohio State. Their offensive line was dominant uh, against Ohio State's defensive line. And their front seven was very good uh, against Ohio State's offense as well. And then not to mention Haskins at running back. I mean, they they look like they have it all besides a top-tier quarterback. I agree. That offensive line had an absolutely dominant performance. And what's crazy about that is there's not really any highly touted NFL draft prospects on that line. They're just that they're each really underrated, great performers on the football field and a coordinated unit that ended up absolutely plowing over the Ohio State defensive line and paving the way for Hassan Haskins to score five touchdowns on the ground. And I don't know how many people saw it coming. I'm going to say that to be honest, I thought Ohio State was going to win this game, but here we go. Michigan looked like clearly the better team and they're number two. And I think this just goes to show how well Harbaugh has built up this program. He had a lot of doubters in the last couple of years as it didn't seem like his era at Michigan was really uh, taking off, but it's, it's exploded in the right way for the Wolverines this season. And I think they're going to beat Iowa in the Big Ten championship game and they're going to end up being the, the two seed in, in the college football playoffs so it's it's definitely an exciting time for Michigan yeah totally and I mean I agree with what you said about Harbaugh I think he's done a really nice job it took him a couple years to get going but I mean that Michigan that Michigan uh football team was in shambles before he got there they were doing very poorly so I mean it took a little bit of time for him to build them up but I mean honestly I don't really see them going anywhere anytime soon I expect them to be a top team in college football in the years to come Absolutely. And it, it really will be set up by the success that they've had this season. And the other big game that happened was Alabama defeating Auburn 24 to 22 in fourth overtimes. And there actually was no score by Alabama until the, the fourth quarter and on the last drive and no touchdown until the last drive of regulation. And my, my main takeaway is that, yeah, the, the offense really stalled and, and Bryce Young didn't have his best game, but I really like the composure that we saw from him at the end of the game because despite the fact that they really struggled the whole game, they were pinned on, I think, the three-yard line to start that last drive. They still marched all the way down and got a touchdown. So I was impressed by that. And, you know, Alabama survived the scare, and they're still in the top four. And they're now in a, in a tricky situation because, as we all know, they're playing Georgia in the SEC championship game. So first of all, do, who do you think is going to be winning that game? Georgia. I mean, Alabama has struggled the past three games against pretty low-level competition in comparison to um, Georgia. I think Georgia has a dominant defense. I mean, I, I really don't see Alabama winning this game. Yeah, I agree. But now the really interesting question is, 
whether assuming that Michigan wins the Big Ten championship game, Cincinnati wins the American Athletic Conference championship game, and Oklahoma State beats Baylor in the Big Ten Big Twelve championship game. And obviously none of these are given, but they're the favorites for in these games. So let's say hypothetically that they win their games and Alabama loses to Georgia, who gets in? Obviously, Georgia would get in as one, Michigan and Cincinnati as two and three, but do we think the committee would take a two-loss Alabama or a Big 12 champion in Oklahoma State that with one loss as the fourth team in the playoff? I mean, how could you give a two-loss Alabama team, in, in theory, a two-loss Alabama team that you know hasn't had a very good win all season? Their best win is against Old Miss. That's a, a good team, but I mean – Personally, I would take Oklahoma State if it came down to it. I would put Oklahoma State at four because if you look at the Oklahoma State resume, they've beat Baylor already. Um, they beat uh, Oklahoma last week, and then they would have beaten Baylor again. That would have been, at the time, three top ten teams that they beat. Um, and then some other teams they beat along the way were ranked in the top 25 as well. A much better resume than Alabama, a better record than Alabama, and a Big 12 championship. I don't know how you pass up Oklahoma State winning the Big 12, one loss for a two-loss Alabama that just lost to Georgia. The other thing to keep in mind is what Alabama State, Georgia beats Alabama, right? What are you going to do? You're going to move Alabama down to four if they want to keep them in, and you're going to say, go play Georgia again. I, I don't think that's fair to Georgia. Georgia just beat them. They shouldn't have to play them again. I, I mean, I think – you know, and especially if they beat them handily, I think, you know, you can't tell Georgia to go play Alabama again. I just, I don't think that's right. And I don't think it's right putting Alabama in over Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think if if Georgia beats Alabama by a significant margin, I, I don't think there'll be much, much discussion. And if Oklahoma State wins their championship game, they'll be in. But boy, I, I keep thinking about how much the committee has favored Alabama in the past. And the fact that if you look at the Alabama team, it's still it's still stock full of NFL talent from top to bottom. We know their history. We know how good of a coach Nick Saban is. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama played Georgia really close and this this went down to a, a one-possession game and they just barely lost that the committee said, you know what, Let, let's put them in. I, I, I wouldn't agree with it because, as you said, Oklahoma State's resume would be extremely impressive, but I think it could happen. The other thing is I, I really – I'm not confident in Oklahoma state beating Baylor. You know, I, I think that Oklahoma state's a great team, but I, this is, this is just one of the gut feelings here where I, I think that this championship game is, is really a 50, 50 toss up in, in my opinion. And if Oklahoma state were to lose, then I think that could give Alabama some wiggle room to, to lose to, uh, to Alabama, to uh, Georgia. Correct. I don't think so because then I put Notre Dame in because then the only loss Notre Dame has is to Cincinnati. That's no, that would be the number three team. You can- I I think I think if if Alabama loses a, a decently close game to uh, Georgia and the, and we don't see Oklahoma State winning the Big Twelve championship game, I think they put in Alabama. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. It, it's this is how it's been the past. It happened a few exactly. years ago. Yep. When they when they uh, lost to Georgia. And then they ended up beating Georgia in the championship when Tua was a freshman. But I, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I don't want to see that. I want to see teams deserve to get in. And if, if Bama loses 
to Georgia, I don't, I don't think they deserve to be in the top four, regardless of if they have a more talented team on paper than some other schools that deserve the spot because of their resume. I, to- I totally agree with you. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And it's, it's clear that Alabama has got to play their absolute hearts out because, you know, that it, it is a tough situation. And it definitely if they lose by a, a big margin, they're not going to be in the playoffs. So that's definitely probably the game to watch for this weekend. But it's going to be a really exciting championship weekend with some of these teams in playoff contention really thinning out. And, and we'll see what how the committee ends up thinking. I always face criticism and I'm, we'll be here to – decide what we think on on their opinions and and when we preview the college football playoff but i think that now we can move on to the really the massive news is these two coaching changes and we'll start off with the even more significant one in which lincoln riley head coach of the oklahoma sooners moves to usc in an absolutely stunning move and what are your initial thoughts on this and why he chose usc and what could come of it so if we, I mean, obviously the money was a huge factor. 10 years, 110 million plus, you know, a $6 million home in Southern California, getting to use the private jet. If we take all of that out of the equation, I think he still, if he got an equal contract offer, I still think he probably would have uh, taken the USC job. Yeah. I think he can pretty much run the West. It's between USC and Oregon in the Pac 12, um, both, you know, competition wise to win the Pac 12. And also recruiting-wise. So, I mean, and, you know, honestly, if you're a player out there, especially in California, why wouldn't you want to go to USC with Lincoln Riley, who's a a very, very good uh, college football head coach? He's proven to be able to get quarterbacks to the NFL, create high draft picks, you know, at wide receiver position. I'm thinking CeeDee Lamb, Hollywood Brown. I mean, they've produced – first round talent, especially in the offensive side of the ball. So I think he's going to do a great job recruiting out there. Um, I know he's done a great job recruiting out of South Southern California, even when he was at Oklahoma. So, I mean, I think that's just going to make recruiting easier for him. Um, so I think, you know, recruiting wise, it's better, you know, potential to win, uh, win conference championships, potentially make the college football playoffs is probably going to be a little bit easier in the Pac-12 than in the SEC in a couple of years. So, you know, I, I think it was a good move for him. It's tough. Uh, I, I always feel bad uh, for the players when a coach leaves, you know. Yeah, they didn't, they're not going to the, the Big 12 championship game. They still have a bowl game. And, you know, some people may say bowl games don't mean a lot. But, I mean, a bowl game's a bowl game. It's still pride. Um, and I just always feel bad for the players, and especially for their Notre Dame players, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, you're right on that point. You know, it's going to be like the last time that a whole batch of seniors take that football field with the Oklahoma jersey on. And it is disappointing to to know that your head coach is, is off to a different place. But I really don't think that you can understate the recruiting aspect enough. Southern California is an absolute treasure chest of recruiting in the college football landscape. And in recent years, we've seen SEC, Big Ten, and Big 12 schools just poaching talent right out of USC's backyard, which they wouldn't dare do uh, like a a decade plus ago when USC was a powerhouse. And what uh, Lincoln Riley has as an opportunity here is to return USC to that status where they really have a firm grasp on all of the talent coming out of that region. And there's nobody stealing that talent from them. And as you said, he was getting some of these recruits when he was at Oklahoma. Now I think he's going to be absolutely running 
Southern California on the recruiting scene. And it like if you look at the, the players who have come out of there recently, Bryce Young came out of that region, and so did DJ Youngalele. So that's two top-flight quarterbacks that ended up elsewhere, far away from the, the West Coast, when they, they really had no reason to be coming out of there if USC had a better program. And we, as you said, we know how good of a talent – uh, Lincoln Riley is as a head coach. And I think that he's going to make USC the recruiting powerhouse that they were reestablish complete dominance over recruiting in Southern California. And I, th I think USC is really going to emerge because if you look at the PAC 12, the only program that I would say is, is elite right now is Oregon. And they just don't compare in terms of, of re recruiting in the region as the talent in Southern California. So I think that it, it definitely, it was stunning at first because it was really out of the blue, but once you look into it, and obviously as you consider the contract, like you said, he's going to be the highest paid coach in college football. It, it really, it really does make a lot of sense. And something else I want to consider is, is what USC is going to do at quarterback. Cause you know, as we said, Lincoln Riley really pushes quarterbacks into the NFL. There's Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray and, and several guys um, and their situation right now in, in USC is that we thought Keenan Slovis was the guy there. He had a really good 2019 season struggling in 2020 and this year he's been hurt and he's been struggling and he's really lost the job to freshman quarterback Jackson Dart. And so now I really wonder if the next guy, the guy in the next couple of years under Riley will be Dart or does he bring Caleb Williams with him or do we just see Dart for a year and then the five-star recruit Malachi Nelson, who decommitted from Oklahoma and committed to USC to follow Lincoln Riley, start as a true freshman? I, what are your thoughts on what happens at the quarterback position? Honestly, I think you go either way. I would not be surprised to see Caleb Williams transfer to USC. I mean, he was a he was a five-star recruit in his own right, correct? Uh, yes, I think so. So, I mean, he obviously committed to Oklahoma because of Lincoln Riley. And, you know, he probably thought that was the best chance I have to get to the NFL. So I would not be surprised to see him decommit from Oklahoma and go over to USC um, and be the quarterback there under Lincoln Riley. You know, and then maybe they they bring in the, the five star in the class of 2023 and then go from Caleb Williams over to him. So I wouldn't be surprised if Caleb Williams went over. Um, I think Dart played okay uh, in a poor USC on a poor USC team. So I wouldn't be surprised if Lincoln Riley sees something in him. Maybe, you know, he, he works with him and makes him a potential NFL draft prospect in his own right. I, I think Lincoln Riley has a plan though. I, I don't think that he's going in there having no clue what he's going to do at quarterback. He has a plan. He either plans on bringing Caleb Williams over or he feels comfortable with the quarterbacks they have. I think I think all the options are actually really good. Jackson Dart was really actually promising this year. And it's it's as even though Slovis has disappointed, it's it's still hard to unsee a, a veteran quarterback like him. But, you know, it, the, the option of bringing Caleb Williams over makes a lot of sense. It makes sense for Williams to follow Riley, who is a better coach very likely than whoever's going to come at Oklahoma and the coach that he pledged allegiance to in the first place. So, and, you know, with Malachi Nelson coming in, it really could be Caleb Williams for a couple of years and then Nelson taking over after that. I, so I think if I was Jackson Dart, I wouldn't really be confident in, in my situation. And I think Keenan Slovis is definitely on his way out, probably heading to the, the transfer portal. And now I also wonder what happens at Oklahoma because I, I think they're, 
right now they're really getting saved by the fact that they're moving to the SEC because they're losing Lincoln Riley. They're, they've got other members of the coaching staff leaving as well. They've got five stars decommitting. Nelson is not the only one. It's really a tough situation for them, but I think the attraction of the SEC will maintain them at a decently high level. I, I mean, I think they might be a decently high level, but I think maybe to start when they start off in the SEC, I think they might hit some major bumps in the road. First of all, I want to give a shout out to Bob Stoops for coming back and being the interim head coach and coaching yeah. those players in the bowl game. I think that shows you know how good of a person he is, and he obviously felt bad for especially all the seniors losing their head coach before their bowl game. So that just shows a lot of character, and I, I'm really happy that he he came back and did that. Um, but I, I was listening to some of the the Oklahoma press conference, and I'm going to be honest, they the uh, athletic director and the the president didn't sound uh, too too convincing with you know what they were talking about. Obviously, they're going to go out there and say they have a plan, but it, there was just something about it that made me feel like they they they're kind of a little bit worried about what what might be to come. I'd be worried too. If you look at the quarterback position specifically, let's say that Williams follows Riley to USC. I don't think Spencer Rattler stays. I think that Oklahoma wasn't the right place for him. There's so much change there. I think he bails too, and he finds a better place for him and tries to get his NFL draft hopes back on track. And they just lost the the five-star quarterback recruit, Nelson. So they'd really be starting at square one. So it definitely could be a rough next couple of years. And as I, like I said, I do think that their name and being in the SEC will keep them at a decent level, but they're probably not going to be making playoff appearances in the next uh, several years like they have it in, in the past few. Do you have any thoughts on where you think Rattler might transfer to? Wow. Um, no, not really. I, I don't know. I, I'd have to, I'd have to look into that and see what really what, what places are available, but I, I do expect him to, to transfer. Yeah, I, honestly, my thought was USC before Lincoln Riley took the job. Yeah, I not thought, now. <laughs> yeah, not, not now. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I, I don't really have any ideas either. I think it would be interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, I think we can move on to the other massive coaching move, and that's Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU. And I think this move right you know, from the start of things, right when it happened, it, it kind of makes a little more sense, and I'll let you go into detail on that. Yeah, there's something that a lot of people don't know, and because it's not something that would immediately come to mind, but recruiting at Notre Dame is actually a, really a disadvantage compared to the other top-level schools in college football because Notre Dame does have strict admission standards as the excellent academic school that they are that the, the football recruits do have to abide to. So you can't get your pick of anyone in the country because there's a good chunk of the recruits that are not going to meet that academic threshold. And at LSU, you can you can get your pick of anyone. They don't have the same standards as Notre Dame. So that already is really appealing. And I think really could be a large part of the reason why Brian Kelly is leaving Notre Dame. Because if you look at what he's done at Notre Dame, he he's he's managed to keep Notre Dame as a top 10 team including with uh, with playoff uh, appearance. And that's really impressive. But I think that really could be the cap to what the Notre Dame program can do in this day and age. And what he sees at LSU is the opportunity to build something that can be build a team that can be a serious national contender as he can get recruits from everywhere. And obviously LSU is a very attractive place. And especially now that he's at the helm because he in his own right is also a very good 
college football coach. So it, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I, I expect to see LSU really at near the top of the college football scene in the next few years with, with Kelly running the, the ship over there. Yeah, I think it makes a lot more sense uh, of when I learned more about the recruiting uh, difficulties that you may have at Notre Dame. And I think that makes what Brian Kelly's done at Notre Dame even more impressive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he has a, you know, he has a limited talent pool. Not not everyone, you know, that's a top football recruit is also going to be a top academic recruit. I mean, that's a that's a much smaller pool. So I think, you know, he he's limited who is recruiting at Notre Dame. So I think it makes it all that more impressive. And it, it, it does make sense why Notre Dame has felt like they've kind of peaked and plateaued. Um, yeah. And I think that it will be interesting to see who Notre Dame hires next. I know I, a name that I heard thrown around was Luke Fickle uh, from Cincinnati. The The issue with that is uh, I, obviously Notre Dame wants to, to hire a head coach as soon as possible. And if what seems like is going to happen with Cincinnati possibly making the college football playoffs, you know, he, he's not going to leave. He's, I would, I would be shocked, like stunned if he actually did leave for that Notre Dame job. He just doesn't seem like that kind of person. He's worked so hard to get Cincinnati where they are. He would not leave now. Uh, oh, I think, I think, I think Notre Dame has an in-house solution in defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman. They, they absolutely love him. He's a young upcoming coach. And oh, I, I know Brian Kelly has actually, actually tried to bring him over to LSU and there's there's talks that that Freeman has been offered the highest paid defensive coordinator contract if he were to make that move but the, the general feeling is that he will he will prioritize being able to be the head coach of Notre Dame so that is the direction that I expect him to to go with and I think that you'll you'll keep seeing Notre Dame be a top 10 team in the country I, I don't expect a significant drop-off even with losing Kelly because they really do have a well-established program and they do have a, even though the the talent pool is limited and it does limit their ceiling they still do end up getting good recruits and then develop them into really good players they're a really good team overall and so I, I think that I, I expect Freeman to be the next head coach and I think that we'll still be seeing Notre Dame in the top 10. Yeah, I, I hadn't really actually heard that too much, but that would make a lot of sense. Um, I, not to go back to the USC thing for a second, but something that came to mind uh, while we were talking about this is another thing enticing to Lincoln Riley is bringing that USC program back to dominance. There's yeah. not a lot of you know college football programs that are as big as USC. Obviously, they've been playing poor football for the past couple of years, but historically, the, the top teams, USC – uh, Alabama. I mean, those are those are really the top two if you think about all time. And I think you know bringing USC back to dominance would pretty much be like what Nick Saban did at Alabama. Not not to compare Lincoln Riley and Nick Saban, but I mean Nick Saban was hailed a savior at Alabama when he you know brought them out of the slump that they were in before he got hired. And you know Lincoln Riley would have that same effect if he does do what we expect and bring USC back to dominance. I agree, and I, th I think Lincoln Riley has to have the NFL somewhere in the back of his mind. He's such a young coach, such a talented coach, that I'd be surprised if he never makes that jump in his career. And, you know, taking a program that's struggling and, and making them – a powerhouse in, in college football would be even would make him even more appealing in the NFL world because in the NFL he he probably wouldn't be taking over one of the best teams in the league. Usually, the teams that are looking for new coaches are towards the bottom of the league and need someone who who can really turn around a program. And so that would really add to his NFL resume. 
yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how quickly he can rebuild uh, a culture at USC. And I think if he can do that quickly, it'll be definitely enticing to NFL teams. But I don't think he'll leave USC anytime soon. Oh yeah, I agree. He's definitely he's definitely in here to really reestablish USC. And you know, another coaching move that happened quietly relative to these others is was Billy Napier, the head coach of Louisiana, moving on to be the head coach of Florida. And I think it's a it's a pretty enticing hire for Florida. I think it could get them back on track. And I, I wanted to talk about this in the context of Louisiana's cornerback, Makai Garner. And NFL draft analyst Tony Pauling said that there's a very good chance that Garner who received second round grades currently follows Napier to Florida uh, as a transfer. And I, th I thought this was really interesting because we interviewed Garner in the offseason, and I strongly encourage everyone to go check out that interview because Garner is, is a guy who we, we noticed this summer as we were doing scouting because he's he's got all the prototypical traits that you look for from a cornerback. He's really He's got great size, great length good physicality, good speed, good fluidity. And last year he was just a, a spot starter. So it was a matter of putting it together into consistent football plan, developing his awareness and instincts. And he's done that to a good level this year. And I think that if he goes on and follows Napier to Florida and plays in that, uh, in that program that has a history of de developing cornerbacks, man, I think the sky's the limit for, for Makai Garner. And I'm really excited for him because I, 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 I don't see why we can't be saying that he has first-round upside if he spends a year at Florida next year with, with all the traits that he has. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. And I, I do think it was a good hire for Florida. I, I think, you know, Dan Mullen was extremely disappointing this year. Yeah. Uh, and it was definitely time to move on. And I like, I like that they, you know, didn't, didn't hire the biggest name, but a guy that has been a very good head coach at a lower-level program um, and really turned around Louisiana. Um, so I think it'll be it'll be uh, interesting to see how he can uh, turn around Florida as they've struggled the past few years. But I think, you know, if Garner does end up transferring to Florida, I think that'd be a great move for him. I, I really think the only the only way he goes up right now. Um, so it'll definitely be fun to see how he progresses and what his NFL future holds. Yep. And talking about the NFL, let's make a quick note on the state of the AFC race, which is wide open right now. The Ravens squeaked out a win against the Browns to, to be top of the AFC. Patriots beat the Titans, so the Patriots move into second. They got the, the Titans and the Chiefs right behind them. A couple other teams in contention, too, like the Bills. Let's let's put each other on the spot right now. Who would, If you had to pick right now, who do you think is going to come up out of the AFC as the one seed and get the highly coveted only by and home field advantage throughout? I think it's going to be the Chiefs. I, I think yeah. they're hot right now. I, I definitely had my doubts at the beginning of the season. They were not playing well, but they really feel like they've put it together. They figured it out, and I feel like they're going to be on a roll. Their defense looks much improved over the past few weeks. Their offenses look like they've gotten it together. Uh, they got Clyde Edwards-Alaire back. Their offensive line is, is looking very good now. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. I think the Chiefs are going to be rolling within the next few weeks. I was in, in, in thinking about this. I was between the Patriots and the Chiefs, and you know I'm going to go with the Patriots because this six-game winning streak has has shown us that they have an elite defense. Mac Jones has developed to a, the point where he's already an above-average uh, NFL quarterback, and I, I I think he has all the poise to not falter down the stretch in, in high-pressure situations. There's two matchups with the Bills. Awaiting, and you know, I think they end up splitting those, and and the Patriots might still 
uh, end up being the one seed because uh, thinking about the other teams in contention, I think the Titans without Derrick Henry and with, with the injuries they have at receiver right now too, I think they're just not good enough. And the Ravens just have a really tough remaining schedule. So, you know what I'll say, the, I'll say the Patriots, but I definitely uh, see what you're saying with the chiefs. I, I could see them being the, the top seed, which really would come to surprise many people if we thought about this early in the season. And you know, the Patriots too, the, the Patriots and the chiefs were, did not start out as, as in the first few weeks as teams that we thought would end up being the top seed in the AFC. But right now, if I were to pick two teams that have the highest chance, I would pick those two. Yeah, and last 30 seconds, give me a Super Bowl pick right now. A Super Bowl pick? For, like for the team in the AFC going to the Super Bowl? No, 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 no. Super Bowl winner. Oh, Super Bowl winner. Um, I'm, I'm between two teams. I'm between the Bucks and the Packers. And on the spot, I'm going to say the Green Bay Packers. I was going to say the Packers too. I, I think – I. And there's just something that makes me feel like it's their year. I feel like Rodgers is determined. Um, and, I, yeah, I was going to say the Packers as well. And that that wraps up our jam-packed episode. Plenty of good stuff. So if you haven't been able to – if you hopped in in the middle, make sure you go back listen to the whole thing. Thanks, for everybody, for listening. We'll be back with another episode next week.